Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Esther how Mordecai saw bowing and giving reference was reserved for God, just as Daniel and the Lord Jesus Christ did not bow to earthly kings as well. This message is available at friendshipwithgod.org. When Daniel was humbling himself on behalf of the Jewish people, he was praying for them, he was making intercession for them, and he was going over in his mind the history of the Jewish people, and he said something very important. If you'd like to turn, Daniel 9.13, he was talking about his review. This is Daniel's comment, or commentary, as he was reading the books of Moses. He was reading the history, sometimes a very painful history, but he was reading it. And as he was reading it, he said something like this in Daniel 9.13. He said this in Daniel 9.13. As it is written in the law of Moses, so now we know where he's been reading, all this evil, as you know, they're there in captivity, is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord, our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. You know what he saw? Daniel saw three things very, very clearly. First, he said, Daniel saw, he saw the truth of Proverbs 26, 2, which says, the curse causeless shall not come. The curse causeless shall not come. And so he saw three things. First, he saw that, that the evil that came on the Jewish people was God's discipline, and they needed to do three things. First, pray. Pray. Prayer before the Lord our God. Prayer from the heart. Not long, protracted, eloquent prayers. You know, during the time in church history when the church was the farthest and deadest away from God, we have records of long, eloquent prayers. They're written down. And when there was revival in the church, we don't have records of these prayers. One time a pastor in Boston, he delivered a very long, eloquent prayer. And the next day in the newspaper, the reporter wrote about it, and he said, that was one of the most beautiful prayers ever made to a congregation. <laughs> All right. Second, turn. God says turn. We might turn from our iniquities. That's what revival is. Revival is repentance. It's a turning from sin and from iniquities. And then third, he says, understand that we may understand thy truth. If there's no change in the life, there's no understanding. There's no understanding of the word of God if there's not a, a change in the life, a repentance. Troubles in life that God allows to bring on us. You know, we should look at it this way. When the fire alarm sounds, what do we do? Look for the fire. Where's the fire? So we can put it out, right? And when the Lord Jesus Christ brings troubles into our lives, we should say, where's the sin? Where's the sin? So that we can deal with it and turn from it and repent and stop. So for Mordecai, when he struggled with the world of Persia, the world of Persia, and he looked for his reward, and he saw it went to his enemy, Mordecai said, I don't get my rewards from this world. Mordecai looked at Persia and said, it's the world. What do you expect? 1 John 2.16, all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father. It's not of God. It's of the world. In James 4 and 4, he could say, I know that the friendship of this world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And there's one place you never want to be. You never want to be on the left-hand side of the versus God. You don't want to do that. You won't win. So Mordecai, when he struggled with his pride, and he looked for his reward, and he saw it go to his enemy, he said, 
It's okay because I know my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And he could say with Obadiah 1.3, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. That's what pride does. Pride is blinding. Pride is deceptive. It's self-deception. It's the greatest disease that we have. It's worse than any disease that we can contract. It's the internal disease that's always with us. It's the disease of pride, and its symptom, its consequence is deception. Pride keeps us from God. Hosea 7.10, the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. And they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Pride burns the road back to God. Pride puts on fire the bridge back to God. Pride will do to me what it did to Nebuchadnezzar when Daniel wrote in Daniel 5.20, but when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride. That's an interesting phrase. He said, the mind becomes hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Proverbs 16, 18 said, says, pride goes before destruction. That means pride's an alarm. Pride's an alarm and it's saying, you, it says, the destruction's coming, destruction's coming. You just wait for it. A haughty spirit before a fall is coming. A man's pride, Proverbs 29, 23, will bring him low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit that he may exalt you in due time. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate pride. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's to hate evil and pride and arrogancy and the evil way. Proverbs eleven two. when pride cometh, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs thirteen ten. only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. You want to see a place where there's disagreements and arguings and talkings behind people's back and trying to make division? That's from pride. That's a consequence of pride. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Psalm 10, 4. God is not in all his thought. Pride is an expunger of the mind. It expunges thoughts of God from the mind. It purges the mind about God, thoughts of God, and it causes the mind not to seek God. It's terrible. So when Mordecai struggled with his pride, he was realizing, hey, I'm struggling with God for my reward. And he saw his enemy. He said, that's the mighty hand of God. I choose to humble myself. I decide for myself to humble myself. That's how Mordecai won in the struggle against the world of Persia. That's how he won against the struggle against his own pride. That's how he won against the struggle with God because he accepted it from God. And now we come to verse 2 and there's something very interesting there because it says in verse 2, so here's this terrible insult that's come to this man Mordecai. And in verse 2, there's like nothing wrong with it because it says in verse 2, all the king's servants that were in the king's house, everybody The king has made the decree, and everybody is supposed to bow, and everybody is bowing. So it says that. But then it says, as we've seen, Mordecai bowed not. Everyone said, you know, the king has commanded this, and so I don't see anything wrong with it. Everybody else is doing it, so let's just bow, but not Mordecai. Because Mordecai saw something that all the others didn't see. Mordecai saw that by bowing and giving reverence, that's something reserved for God. That's something that's reserved for God. And we saw another, we saw in the last time we were talking about this, how my wife Cheryl was there at that Japanese shrine and everybody was throwing the money into the God box 
and Americans too. And she said, no, I can't do that. Why? Because God's a jealous God. Because by doing that, I'm going to say, I'm going to be giving praise and glory to this idol. And I said, God doesn't take that lightly. You know, there was a time when Herod, he made this great, great speech, terrific speech. It's recorded in uh, Acts 12, 21 through 23. It says, and upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration. And the people gave a shout saying, it's the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. It was a gorgeous robe that, uh, <laughs> that Herod wore before the worms got in it. In that day, it was a beautiful throne that he sat on. It was an impressive speech that he made. And everyone applauded. And they all rose to their feet and shouted, bravo, or whatever they said in those days. Probably did say bravo, but anyway. And the applause thundered, and the excitement was just great. And someone made this suggestive phrase, the voice of a God, not of a man. And then everybody took it up, yes, the voice of a God and not of a man. And no one saw anything wrong with it. No one saw anything wrong with that statement. Everyone else was doing it. It was the time. It was the excitement of the time. And everybody just joined in. But there was someone who saw something wrong with that statement. And that was God. And he sent an angel. And he killed him. And he caused him to be immediately swarmed by worms. They ate him up there. I don't want to see that. And uh, why did God do that? Because Herod did not protest. He didn't protest like John did in Revelation. He didn't protest like Paul did. And said, no, 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 we're just men just like you. Just a man. And what the people were doing was giving Herod the glory and the honor that was due to God. And God was jealous. And the people didn't seem so bad. And this is the way it was for Mordecai in verse 2. All the king's servants did it. But Mordecai said, no. Daniel, Daniel was like Mordecai. He knew that his enemies had gotten the king of Persia to make an unchangeable decree that for the next 30 days... 30 days, that if anyone had a petition, he was not allowed to ask any god. He had to ask the king only. And if he didn't do it, then he'd be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel heard that, and Daniel knew, I've got three options. Option number one, just take a break from praying for 30 days. It's only 30 days. I mean, it'll go fast. I mean, you know, everybody else is doing that, not praying to God. So take a break. Take a prayer break. Option one. Option two, go into your secret place. Your closet, shut the door, secretly pray to God for the next 30 days. You don't have to talk about it to anybody. Just go underground for 30 days. Keep a low profile, Daniel. Okay? But Daniel did option three. What did Daniel do? Option three, Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a fourth time. (laughs) Option one, stop praying. No, I don't think so. As soon as he heard the law and was signed, he couldn't get home fast enough to pray. Option two, keep a low profile, go underground, pray less frequently, do it in a secret place. Oh, no, not Daniel. He throws open his windows and in full sight kneels down so no one has any doubt about what he's doing there. And he's not sunbathing and he's praying. And he's doing this three times. Everyone else did the king's command, but not Daniel. And that marks the people of God in the world. 
What others see as no big deal, the people of God see as a must not. A must not. In our last look at Esther, as I told you about Cheryl giving the money there to the God box, that was a must not. People today take living together outside of marriage so lightly. I mean, the world says, it's no big deal. You need to try the relationship to see whether or not you're compatible with each other. Why risk divorce? Divorce is so terrible. It's so horrible. Just don't get married. Just live together. No big deal. Just move in together. Sounds uh, benign, right? So lightly. But the children of God don't see it that way. The children of God see it as not benign at all. They see 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators and so forth shall inherit the kingdom of God. It is a big deal because fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a big deal. So the children of God say, others do, I cannot. When it comes to the matter of abortion, the world says, it's no big deal. You go through the pregnancy later. You're just postponing it. it just, just terminate this one. You can do another one later. By the time this service is over, 175 babies will have been aborted. By the time the service is over. That's the frequency in the U.S. today. The child of God believes God. When he says in Isaiah 44, 2, Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee in the womb which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. On what basis can a man claim help from God and not be afraid? Because he says, I was formed in the womb by God. I'm not just some tissue. God formed me. Isaiah 44, 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, than he that formed thee in the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. How is man to understand why God would be the redeemer of man? Because he made him. Because he formed him in the womb. Isaiah 49, 5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. How is man to understand that he must be a servant of God? Because God formed him in the womb. Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed thee in the belly... I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. How is man to understand that God has a God-ordained purpose for each life? Because God had that purpose in mind when he was forming the person in the womb. But if man is just a result of some random processes... And the embryo is just some tissue, nothing more, a mass of tissue that grows like a fingernail grows. And if there's no such thing as God forming somebody in the womb, then abortion's no worse than cutting your fingernail. Same thing. I can't see any reason for God helping me or for not being afraid or being my redeemer. But the child of God says, others do, I cannot. I must not. Now, we come to verse 6. In this passage, let's see, where are we? Which book are we in? We're in Esther. There it is, 6, okay? Verse 6. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they showed him the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, because they were throughout a whole kingdom of Hashuers, even the people of Mordecai. Okay. If you don't mind, to turn to Zechariah 8.23. There's a very interesting phrase at the end of this very familiar verse that I want us to focus on. Zechariah 8.23. 
Now, this is a passage here which is talking prophetically about a time which we may not be very far from right now. When the world is in the process of coming out of death to life, as it's described in Romans 11. This is the receiving of the Jewish people back again, which Paul said is going to be for the world, life from the dead. And it's describing something very, very interesting. In Zechariah 8.23, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men, let's just think about that, ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations. So here's ten men, each of them speaking a different language. I mean, maybe one is speaking Italian, and one is speaking Mandarin, and another one speaking Malay, or whatever they speak down there. Anyways, there's ten different languages from these ten men. And they take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew. Boy, I'd like to see that. That should be something, right? He said, he can't communicate with them. There's ten men. They've taken the hold of this one Jew. They're all speaking different languages. And this is a scene, I'm telling you. And what are they saying? They're saying, we're going with you. <laughs> it's like the Eskimo. And the, you know, we're going with you. And they're saying, you know, I don't remember seeing you around the synagogue. You know, they say... We're going with you. Why? Very important phrase. We have heard that God is with you. We have heard that God is with you. You know, that's the reputation of the Jewish people. That, and it's a very confusing reputation. No matter how rejecting the Jewish people are of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how many prominent Jewish people confuse the world with their positions of atheism and secularism. Do you know what the world still knows? Somehow, I don't know how, but somehow they're the people of God. Somehow they're God's people. They're God's chosen people. And that's what Paul was referring to when he said the receiving of them is going to be life from the dead. The casting away is the reconciling of the world. In other words, there is a sense among the world that something's not right about the Jewish people, and far be it from me to ever tell you, but something's not right. I mean, look at all the persecutions and the Holocaust and the, the, the unending crisis in the Middle East that they all seem to be in the middle of, all involving the Jewish people. Something's wrong. What's wrong? Well, God's people have rejected God. Apart from that, they're fine. <laughs> but even through all of that, there is an underlying knowledge in the world. They are still God's people. They are still God's people. So with their temporary being cast away, with that time, which was the time we're living in right now, that has resulted in many finding reconciliation with God. But God says, hold on to your seats. Because when they are received again, it will be life from the dead. There's going to be an explosion of life from the dead. And that little phrase in Zechariah 8.23 is very telling. We have heard that God is with you. The world has heard that God is with the Jewish people. Why do they have so many Nobel Prize winners uh, way out of proportion compared to any other people group because God is with them. And why have they survived so much, which no people has ever survived that much persecution, because God is with them. Why have those that have been the enemies of this people been destroyed? Because God is with them. The world has heard, we have heard that God is with you. So what does a hater of God do? A hater of God looks for an opportunity, and he hates the people of God. See, that's why it's the very familiar verses. We think of them Christians. Think about from the Jewish people for a moment. John 15, 18. If the world hate you, you know it hated me before it hated you. 
John 17, 14, I have given them thy word. Now, I understand that this is referring to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, but think about that from a more expanded point of view. I have given them thy word. To whom did God give his word? To the Jewish people. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they're not of the world, that's for sure, even as I am not of the world. Haman hated God. And when he found out that Mordecai was from the people of God, his hatred just exploded. And he said, I knew there was a reason why I hated this man, because he's from the people of God, and I hate God. And here's my opportunity. So in verse 7, in the month of Nisan, and that, there's not a month called Toyota. This is a month Nisan. <laughs> in the month Nisan, this is the first month, uh, this is the first month of the Jewish calendar. Month Nisan, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pur. Pur is lot, Purim is lots, and Purim is lots. And so, so Haman thought, you know, I'm going to do something. And there's something very mysterious about what I'm going to do in destroying this people. And I kind of sense that I need a supernatural help. So I'm going to sort of invoke the supernatural to help me choose the right day. And the superstitious, Hitler was like that. Hitler was very, very much tied to the occult for getting his direction. So it's kind of like rolling dice. And he rolls the dice 365 times to find, I don't know how he did it, to find the right month and the right day. And it was pur. He rolled the pur. He rolled the purim. purim. And as he did that, he finally came and he said, I've got it. He says, uh, it's going to be on Nisan. And he says, it's going to be on the 12th day. You see? And so what's this meaning is that he chose the first month on the 12th day. And so that meant that the people that had to go a whole year Till this day coming. A whole year, the Jewish people lived under the shadow of knowing that they were all going to be killed. For one year, all the Jewish people were on death row. And they knew it. Can you imagine living like that? For a whole year, every day, you see your day getting closer and closer. What do you do? What do you do for your last year? How much provision do you make for the future? You see your enemies looking over all you've got. Let's see that. Oh, that's okay. Let me make a note of that. You see that? When did this happen? This happened in the first month of the year. What is the first month of the year? The calendar was restarted for this holiday. That's Passover. That's the Passover. This is the most important month for the Jewish people. This is a celebration of them being delivered from extermination in Egypt. And this is the month that Satan and his crew guiding the Purim chose for the extermination. But this is the month when the announcement also takes place that this is going to happen. And so it's not by accident that this month, this was a challenge to the Jewish people. Will the season of Passover be ruined this year? Will it be converted into a time of distress and grief? Could God be relied on to be their Savior? Where are His deliverances of old? Or would their joy and their future and their very being be ruined? So what do you do? What do you do when you have news like that? And how exactly did Haman make this stick? Because he said, in verse 8, he said to the king, he said, you know, these people, they have strange laws. They have strange laws. They think it's a big deal that we think are not a big deal. We all do something, and they say, no, they're strange. They have strange laws. And they don't keep the king's law, so that he casts this doubt. What does 1 Peter 4 and 5 say about us? It says that the world thinks, they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. 
and they speak evil of you. Why? For that reason. Because you're not going in the same evil way, the excess of riot. So they speak evil. And what's going to happen? Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. See, whenever the people of God refuse to go in the way of the world, it brings guilt to the world. It brings a terrible feeling. By not doing it, you're saying there's something wrong when I do it. Oh God, make me to stand with you. Make me to humble myself when the times get really hard and I don't get what I deserve. Well, what I think I deserve at least. I don't get that. And teach me to be like Mordecai and just to keep on going on to realize that I'm part of a play. I'm part of a drama. I'm part of a continuum. And God is the author. And it's an exciting part to be able to play a role in this. And I want to be able, as I play this role, for God to say, that's my boy. That's my man right there. Do you see that? You see how he's resisting pride? You see how he's humbled himself? You see how he's trusting me? You see how he's obeying me? That's what we want God to say about us. Let's pray. Father, help it to be so. Help it to be so that we will, Lord, be able to have you say, I'm very proud of the way you reacted in that situation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, we have a book to offer you today, The Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, 194 of them written by Tom Cantor. It's a powerful book, and if you didn't get everything you wanted for Christmas, order this book today. 84 pages, 194 prophecy fulfillments, and we're offering it for a donation of $20 or more to support this ministry. Donation of $20 or more, you'll receive the Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. Call us today, one 800 247 3051. Let us know that you want the Prophecy and Fulfillments book and you want to make a donation towards the Friendship with God radio program of $20 or more, 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.